0: Hi guys! Welcome to the Fintech Coffee Break. I'm your host, Isabel Castro. Today, I shared my coffee break with Zach Bronstein, COO of Endowment. Endowment is a platform powered entirely by smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. They hope to use the new Web3 technology to power improved ways of donating and grant-making using digital assets. In the aftermath of the FTX scandal, I wondered if donation-making and philanthropy using Web3 vehicles had been damaged. We spoke about the benefits blockchain can bring to the nonprofit sector, as well as some of the challenges that come with the new technology, and why a certain amount of centralization and use of fiat currency is still necessary. Isaac, hey. nice to meet you. Thank you for coming in. Of course,
1: nice to meet you as well. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, so, to begin with, what gets you up in the morning and gets you motivated to do what you do?
1: So typically, uh, my my dog licking me awake wakes okay. me up in the morning. <laughs> but the thing that gets me, gets me up and gets me excited is really getting on the phone with nonprofits and with donors and making it really simple to make donations of cryptocurrency delivered as dollars to nonprofits. So many times, I've been on the phone with folks who don't know a ton about cryptocurrency who are working in a nonprofit? I'm giving them a call letting them know that there's a grant that's been made to their organization those are the best calls that I make every day because we get to get in touch with people that are getting their hands dirty and doing good work out there in the world and we fund that activity through cryptocurrency
0: nice when did you realize you wanted to do what you do work within the Web3 nonprofit kind of space
1: so it Took me a while, admittedly. Okay. Um, my background is sort of split half between nonprofit and for profit. I spent the previous five years before joining endowment at Morgan Stanley. Uh, and before that, I was working at various nonprofits, doing development work, volunteering. I was a teacher. I was a tutor. So I was still figuring it out. And really, my entry to Web3 was endowment. I got a call from my now CEO, Robbie Heger talking to me about a project that he was working on, some ideas that he had about something he wanted to put together. And pretty quickly, that went from just a conversation to uh, me spending a lot of time volunteering for endowment, getting work done, all the way to me leaving Morgan Stanley and joining endowment. And that's really how I fell down the crypto or Web3 rabbit hole is figuring out and seeing how efficiencies that are Relying on blockchain technologies could be brought to new and novel causes. In this instance, specifically using blockchain to benefit nonprofits, which to me meant that I could go back to nonprofit work while still being able to do that kind of hard finance, techie thinking and merge those two together.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: my work at Endowment.
0: Okay, tell me a bit more about that. Um, what kind of benefits do you see from... Uh, blockchain technology and Web3 technologies in general that kind of lend themselves to the nonprofit environment?
1: So, excellent question. I think really two things come to mind more than anything else. One is efficiency, and the other is transparency. Um, for transparency, what's really nice about the way that we run our donor advised fund platform is that everything is happening on chain. And what that means is that anyone with sufficient knowledge about how the blockchain works, about how to use a block explorer like etherscan.io, can look into endowment activities and essentially conduct their own public audit of our entire ecosystem. From the moment that a donation is made into a fund and endowment or to any organization smart contract and endowment, all that activity is captured on chain and can be reviewed publicly. The only things that we do not store on chain are PII, so Personal Identifiable Information for Donors, and information about bank accounts on the nonprofit side, because typically we do pay out nonprofits via USD Mm BankWire, right? So that's the transparency piece. And honestly, when I talk to nonprofits, that's the thing that they're most interested in, in figuring out how they could potentially bring Web3 tech uh, in-house and use it to leverage transparency in some way or demonstrate transparency in some way. Next is the efficiency bit. Usually when folks are making donations to charity, whether they're going directly to that charity or through a donor advice fund, there's a number of hoops to jump through. There's waiting periods for how long it takes a trade to execute if you're giving stock, for example, how long it takes for those dollars to be delivered to the organization. And what's great about Web3 is everything moves really, really fast. There is no time that you can try to access endowment.org and it's down. always online. You can always make a donation. You can always get money moving to charity. And then on our end, the only slow bit is when we actually have to make that bank wire, which is always delivered in between 24 and 36 hours, depending on when we initiate that wire. But we're able to move funds directly to 501c3 nonprofits in a much more rapid pace than we would if we were a traditional fiat-based donor advised
0: fund. Mm -hmm. Are there any challenges like do you retain some of the old old system um, around nonprofits that maybe Web3 doesn't solve so well that the old system solves better?
1: I think uh, two things come to mind there. So first, um, when we're working with nonprofits, there's always a little bit of skepticism. and I would say healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. And this is not about Web3 structures or non-Web3 structures, but... Crypto is new, uh, even without, you know, recent scandals in the crypto space, people appropriately, I think, as people as, ha- you know, they have fiduciary responsibilities to their nonprofits, pump the brakes a little bit and want to learn a bit more about our organization. Right. And this is when the transparency comes in handy. We can demonstrate exactly what we've done based on this indelible digital ledger that is a source of truth for people to look at. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, The second item that I think uh, perhaps more addresses your question of like what doesn't really work for these nonprofits in the Web3 system, most nonprofits do not want to custody crypto in any way. They don't want to hold Bitcoin. They don't want to hold Ether. They don't want to hold USDC stable coins. They don't want to hold anything. And initially, when we were thinking about Endowment.org and how we were spinning it up, our goal was to give every nonprofit a crypto wallet. We'd set them up. We'd onboard them into the space. We would deliver gifts to them in stable coins, but in crypto. Um, we learned very quickly that that was untenable for most of the nonprofits that we were talking to, and we needed an alternative. So instead, we work closely with Circle Internet Financial to utilize their USDC uh, API payment rail so we can make programmatic wire payments of USD to nonprofits so that they can receive funds that start out as crypto, but they're actually delivered in dollars and they never have to do any reporting of crypto received. They also never need to deal with custody in crypto, with changing their gift acceptance policies, with working with, uh, you know, Uniswap or Coinbase or Binance to trade it into a currency that they can use or move it off chain. We take care of all of that. So at the end of the day, the nonprofit just receives the funds and can do what they do best, putting those funds to good use, getting their hands dirty, doing that good work I was referring to before.
0: Mm -hmm. In your first point from that, uh, you mentioned the scandals. Have you seen that any of the scandals from last year have affected this kind of space, the nonprofit Web3
1: space? So it's both yes and no.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Absolutely, because crypto is still such a small industry, individual bad actors can have an outsized impact on the way that others view this space. Certainly what's been going on with SBF and FTX, never mind Terra Luna before that, have been problematic for the space and I think have given people a little bit of the, let me take a step back and, and see what's going on here. With that said... Donation activity hasn't slowed down. Um, what's been really interesting and exciting to see is that if you look not at the dollars raised because market cap for cryptocurrency generally is pretty different in 2022 versus 2021, significantly lower. But if, for example, you just look at amount of Ether donated via endowment.org, we saw a 2x improvement versus 2021. In 2021, we received about, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but about 4,300 units or tokens of Ether. And this year it was over 8,000. That ended up amounting to a lower dollar value because the price of Ether when it was being donated was lower. But if we're receiving twice as many tokens while the market cap is low, while these scandals are happening, that tells me that there is... A lot of activity here and perhaps pent up demand for a desire to be able to gift cryptocurrency to nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question in a more concise way, absolutely. It The recent scandals have changed the way that people think about cryptocurrency, but the actual donation activity in the cryptocurrency space and even inbound from nonprofits who want to get set up without even knowing if there's a cryptocurrency donation, you know, waiting in the wings have not slowed down. And that's been really exciting and encouraging to see.
0: Mm -hmm. Does this, um, I guess this kind of appeal uh, applies to the crypto winter as well. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Have you had to change any of your operations to kind of um, allow for these changes or has it just remained the same?
1: Uh, So again, my answer is keeping two parts, but two things come to mind. Um, One, the major piece of our operations that changed when the market cap started to turn was really just about marketing. You know, we put information out there about us, about your ability to donate crypto, being sensitive to the fact that so many people in this space were in the red or in trouble in some other way. um, We pulled that back a bit because we didn't want to be seen as tone deaf And we know if there's less assets out there to give, people really need to take care of their own first. And that's absolutely okay and appropriate. I think the second thing that the crypto winter changed about our operations is not necessarily something that changed, but something that we were allowed to do a little bit of stress testing because of what was going on in crypto price wise. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the Terra Luna collapse from a number of months ago, there was issues with stress testing right? They did not uh, build in safeguards to accommodate kind of extreme price changes in the underlying assets that were backing up that stablecoin ecosystem. What was great is that even while all of these prices are changing, we were using the same infrastructure that we had built previously. We're using the same smart contracts that we built previously, and everything is still working exactly as expected. Mm-hmm. And what that tells me is that we did a really good job building this infrastructure. That will operate in a bear market, it'll operate in a bull market, and everything in between. And that's been pretty exciting. There's not really a great way to test that without actually going through these market cycles. So while it's not exciting to be, or it's not as exciting to be in a depressed bear market as it was to be in a bull market where people were, you know, donating large sums of money much more frequently... Um, it does provide a really great opportunity to test your processes, to test your systems, and make sure that in the good and in the bad, they remain consistent. Mm
0: -hmm. What do you think will be your biggest challenges for the year ahead?
1: I think the biggest challenge for the year ahead is really undoing the negative impact that actors like SBF have had in this space. Mm -hmm. Talking to people, whether they were crypto-savvy before, or don't really know anything about crypto, they know Sam Bankman-Fried's name. They know about what happened with FTX, Mm -hmm. right? Helping them to understand that that's not a specific failing of crypto or of decentralized finance, but instead it's a failing of an individual. Mm -hmm. There have been individuals in various fields before that have run Ponzi schemes, that have done things that are rather untoward. And all that's happening here is exactly that in the crypto world, Mm -hmm. right? What's interesting is that the only reason that FTX, the whole FTX SBF scandal unfolded as it did, is because that is a completely centralized structure. There is no decentralization of FTX. There's no decentralization of control over the funds that were in question between FTX and Alameda Research, right? That was a process controlled by a small group of people. And as we've been learning by one person via a backdoor in some accounting software, right? Mm -hmm. So in a way, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, but in a way, the failure of SBF and of FTX underscore the importance of creating decentralized structures that can operate in a trustless environment where one single bad actor can't take an action that totally destroys the
0: system. Mm -hmm. One thing that I was thinking when I looked at how endowment is, do you have any issues with kind of deciding who you're going to donate to? How do you get around those kind of decisions? And Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's a good question. First, I'll say that we have, and this is important, a funding policy mm-hmm. that says that we won't, one, we only fund 501c3s that are in good standing with the IRS. And two, we're not going to fund any groups that are on the Southern Poverty Law Center's uh, list of hate groups, okay. and also that we're not going to fund any groups that traffic and misinformation like crisis pregnancy centers or conversion therapy camps. Um, outside of those pretty uh, broad exceptions to who we choose to work with, we really just follow what the donors are doing, right? Donors come on our platform, open up a donor advice fund, make a gift of any one of uh, about a thousand different cryptocurrencies that we currently accept. And then they get to determine which organization they send those funds to. Mm -hmm. Provided the organization is in good standing with the IRS and doesn't fall into those categories I was just outlining, we're going to support that gift. We're going to get that money to that organization so they can do whatever it is that they do. Um, There has not been a like grant making activity from endowment.org as the entity supplying the money. Right. That's activity that donors take. So we haven't had to get into questions of who is endowment choosing to fund, because, again, we're providing the service and donors are actually choosing where their money goes.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. what do you think, what do you hope will happen over the next five years in the Web3 nonprofit space?
1: So my hope is that nonprofits, whether they are, you know, tech savvy, crypto savvy nonprofits like the Electronic Frontier Foundation or nonprofits that really have not updated their systems in a significant amount of time are able to incorporate Web3 payments as a donation flow in some sort of native way. Right. I want Web3 donations, crypto donations into nonprofits to be as ubiquitous as using PayPal or Act Blue to donate to any one of these nonprofits another service that you tack onto your system so that you're able to accept assets of a specific type that you weren't able to accept before. Mm-hmm. And really what we're doing in Endowment is we're trying to build publicly accessible public good infrastructure for nonprofits to do fundraising. Mm-hmm. Right we don't have a model of, hey nonprofit, come on board, pay us, you know, five thousand dollars a year, we'll take five percent of every donation you receive and we'll you know, make this happen for you. Instead, we want to build infrastructure that's easily usable by every nonprofit for free without needing to take on additional overhead, whether that is, you know, specific cost related to financing, hiring additional folks that are crypto savvy, understanding what things like liquidity providers and MetaMask are. And instead, we just make that whole process super easy. And they just add this uh, this note to their site, whether that's the smart contract that they use on endowment or a link to their endowment page. They can receive donations and it's all really nice and smooth. And on top of that, I want to see nonprofits go out there and tell their existing donor base, hey, we accept this new asset, Mm -hmm. not just if someone inquires, hey, can I give some Ethereum? Can I give some Bitcoin? But instead, they're going out there and they're saying, just like they already do, with stocks, and they say, "Hey, we're all set up with this, you know, stock giving widget or this donor advised fund account." Um, they should be doing that with crypto as well. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of people out there that have, even now in this bear market, a lot of crypto. They want to be generous and philanthropic with their crypto, but they want to see an organization have some buy-in, have some interest, and not just be receiving the crypto and then kind of forgetting about it and pretending like they received it in cash.
0: Mm-hmm is there given all of these kind of this negative press that crypto has had is, and the fact that the nonprofits normally as you said they receive the money as a fiat currency is there a way of using this infrastructure but still opening it out to kind of people who don't hold crypto people who are new to the space is there a way of streamlining that and making that easier and inputting that without the added we accept this crypto or
1: something like that? I think so. Um, You know, what we're trying to do is build a better giving experience Mm -hmm. that is powered by crypto, but goes beyond just cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you went to our site endowment.org right now and you opened up one of our community funds, uh, let's say the uh, Stands with Asian Community Fund that was created in early 2021 uh, based on some really problematic and really terrible, I should say, activity uh, surrounding misconceptions about COVID and members of the AAPI community and violence against them. Right. If you went to that community fund page now, you'd be able to give in crypto again over a thousand different tokens you can give natively mm-hmm. natively in the application. Um, you can also give to them using your PayPal account. Okay. Right? So putting all these things together, so you can give in PayPal you can give via PayPal, you can give via crypto if you are connected to our UI. And also, what's pretty cool that we've done recently, it's a little more on the tech focus side, mm-hmm. is that every single fund on endowment and every single organization, one, it has its own smart contract. That's always been the case. But now, two, that smart contract is what's called uh, fully composable. And that means that instead of using our UI, if you don't want to, you can just open up your wallet or open up any DeFi application that has some kind of payout address and direct Ether or any ERC-20 directly to your fund or to a specific organization's smart contract. Okay. That smart contract is able to custody those assets, trade those assets for that U.S. dollar coin, and then we use that U.S. dollar coin to pay out the organization, or if you've put it into your fund, you get to make a grant of those funds to another nonprofit.
0: Perfect. That sounds really, really interesting. I'm excited to see the future Um, before you go. I've got two more questions. So first, the best piece of advice that you've been given that you would like to give to someone else.
1: That is a fantastic question. Um, I think the best piece of advice that I've ever been given was given to me by uh, a coworker when I was working at an overnight summer camp a number of of summers ago, that it was just uh, keep your head on a swivel and that there are always going to be problems that you don't foresee as well as opportunities that you don't foresee. And only by constantly kind of kind of shaking your head around, looking around, figuring out what's going on, not taking what you know to be fact, but taking what you know to be a small portion of the fact. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able to figure out what your place in a company is or in the world is or in your maybe smaller in your family? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I think I think about that a lot because so much of what we do in endowment is multifaceted. We're talking to donors who are crypto savvy, some of which have been involved in the Web3 ecosystem for the better part of a decade. We're talking to nonprofits that have you know, individuals there who have never had a conversation about crypto before. They don't have their own wallet. They don't have any understanding of the difference between a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or a stable coin like US dollar coin. And being able to context switch and explain the same concepts in these vastly different ways to these different communities, that's really a skill that I learned because of that advice that I received, that you always have to, you know, you have to keep your head on a swivel, and more than that, you have to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. If they're really technological, you can talk to them as if you were talking to engineers, and if they're not, you need to figure out a way to explain something that's pretty complicated in layman's terms.
0: Okay, I like that. I like the phrase. <laughs> Keep your head on swivel. Um Now I've got my curveball question. Please. It's a random question. Um, if you could turn into another person for the day, who would you choose to be?
1: Oof. Interesting. <laughs> if I could turn into another person for a day, who would I be? Um, hmm. <laughs>
0: it's a tricky one. Yeah, one. it is
1: a tricky one. Um, based on where crypto's at, based on what we need from inside of the industry, as well as what we need from legislators in DC, I'm thinking that it'd be really interesting to be, for example, Gary Gensler for the day, and try to make some impact on the way that our government is choosing to legislate surrounding cryptocurrency, Mm -hmm. right? There have been, I think, some positive moves in the last year, some negative moves in the last year. Uh, And I don't I don't want to get involved to say, you know, such and such currency is a commodity versus a security. Like, let's leave that for, you know, heavier finance conversations, Um, but figuring out the right way to bring crypto into the wider American economy and uh, the ecosystem that revolves around that economy is important. Right. There are problematic use cases. If you are only looking at FTX, you're not going to feel positively about crypto in the world. There are positive use cases, too, and it goes far beyond just endowment. I like to think that we're a pretty positive use case, but plenty of others as well. And I want to I would use that opportunity to talk to people uh, around him and explain that there are real good positive use cases of crypto. And it's all about creating legislation that allows those positive use cases to flourish while punishing those that would seek to use crypto in some sort of problematic scheme or to uh, to do something that we like to call in in the crypto world like a rug pull. Mm -hmm. Right. But doing something problematic, let's guard against that while still opening the space for activities like those that endowment engages in to take place.
0: Cool. Well, thank you. That was a really good answer. Thanks. Um, And thank you for coming in. It's been really nice to talk to you.
1: Pleasure's been mine. Thank you so much.
0: As always, you can reach out and chat to me on my personal LinkedIn or Twitter at Izzy Castro Rides. That's spelled I-Z-Y. But for access to great daily content, check out Fintech Nexus on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. You can also sign up to our daily newsletter, bringing news straight to your inbox. And for more fintech podcast fun, check out the website's podcast page, where you can find more fascinating conversations hosted by Peter Anton and Todd Anderson. That's it from me. Until next time, enjoy your downtime.